Pal Queens, three amigas living in Sacramento, California, passionate to support communities of color that intersect with mental health issues. So hi, welcome back, everyone. Yeah, It's been a minute. Hey. So we just wanted to say hi. This is going to be episode seven. We're very excited for it. Mm-hmm. But before we get rolling, let's check in. So let's see how La Luna is doing. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm here. I'm alive. Uh, Mercury's in retrograde and it's messing with Boo. my life. Um, but yeah, everything's good. We've been a little MIA, but we're also like super excited um, to be back and to be bringing this episode for everyone. Um, yeah, and I'm just kind of navigating life. Um, still coming down from this high of being licensed and figuring out like what our next like what my next steps are going to be in my life and stuff like that. So I'm just uh, living life, balancing friendships and family and, you know, all that other adult stuff. So, yeah, that's my uh, check-in. Cool. Going to hand it down to La Sirena. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for having us on your radio or whatever whatever other listening device you have for us. Yeah. We are happy to be here with you today. Um, so for me, my check-in, I am doing great. I had, of course, as you, for all of you in your mid-30s know, sometimes health issues <laughs> want to, <laughs> want to Ooh, visit yeah. you. Um, but luckily, nothing serious. But recently, I just, I didn't pass my peripheral eye exam. So Girl, I know, right? Lentes? Lentes? Yeah, I do have lentes. I have the lentes and the contacts. So, But my doctor said my eyes look healthy. I just maybe failed it for whatever reason but i you know i've always been bad at taking tests <laughs> you're like even if it's my eyeball so even if it's my eyeball test i am so bad at taking tests <laughs> uh, but everything's fine i'm healthy but you know the little health things that come up as you get older just trying to roll with it and stay positive and uh, it's really good just to stay on your health folks like every year get your annual eye exams health mm-hmm. exams dental all that good preventative stuff. Shit, but I need yeah. to find a new dentist. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think we can talk about this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the podcast. Do that. So that's it. Um, but I'm doing well. And I'm just really grateful that we get to be here with you for another episode. Yes. Ooh. Oh, I guess it's me. Yeah. So oh, yes. <laughs> La Rosa's turn. It's La Rosa. So uh, a life update. I am licensed yes. now. Yes. Congratulations. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I just, I will, I'm just waiting for it to post. So yes, it happened. Basically, though. there. Uh, so I've been riding this high for a week and a half, two weeks. Um, but now it's just like, oh shoot, back to regular life. <laughs> back to regular. You're stresses. like, pay me my money, give me my raise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting my money, making money moves. Uh, but we're, we are actually moving, so I guess some that's sort awesome. of money moves, maybe yeah, in the wrong direction, but. <laughs> No, that's a, I think that's a good one. Literally, yeah. money moves. Yeah, but it's really nice neighborhood, so it's fine. Yeah, it's great. worth it. I'm I feel like it's going to be you. a great thing. I'm excited for it. Yeah, so just trying to figure out life. I'm not in my mid 30s, but I'm in my late 20s, and I <laughs> health issues are like definitely a thing. I'm a big proponent yeah. of like, yeah, just go to the doctor. Like, don't wait it out. Just go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, we're very excited for today. So I know that our topic is going to be about different mental health disorders and some of them more chronic or more misunderstood in mm -hmm. our society. So I know La Luna wanted to share like an opening statement about it. Yeah. So we're just going to give you guys some facts to kind of set, you know, set the tone for the episode. So first, I'm going to start off with a quote and it says, without mental health, we cannot be healthy. In some statistics, a common mental health disorder among individuals in the Latinx community is major depression. And we know that 3 million people live with schizophrenia and 5.7 million people live with bipolar disorder. We also know that the prevalence is the same across cultures. The difference lies in the understanding of mental health and the access to treatment, which is what has impacted Latinx communities the most. Today, we're going to break down some of these disorders in hopes of spreading knowledge and awareness to our gente. We hope that you enjoy this episode. <laughs> yes, I, I, um, yes. Uh, so the first one, the uh, first diagnosis that we are going to go into is major depression disorder. So this one we hear mm -hmm. a lot in society, and I think it's very yeah. misunderstood unless you have a therapist and you know what the symptoms are. Yeah. So. A uh, question that I want to pose to you, ladies, is what does it look like? What does major depression look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, major depression it sometimes can come on gradually, mm -hmm. um, but you'll what it just looks like in everyday um, experience is that there's a lot of heavy sleeping, first of all, mm -hmm. and a lot of inaction. So during an episode of depressive major depressive disorder, you'll find that you don't want to go to work. You can't get out of bed. Yeah. It's hard to shower. Um, isolated, so like you start isolated. removing yeah. yourself from yeah. friends and communities and people, the things that you once enjoyed doing, you're doing less of or you're not doing it at all. There's like just, just an absence of yeah. joy. Like if it's you just like so blah. Yes. Yeah. Like you can't even get there. Like maybe you used to like meeting up with your coworkers for a happy hour. And that thought of that just sounds dreadful. But the important thing here is that it has to have lasted for at least two weeks. Yes. So if you had one or two days of, um, just a heavy couple of days. That's called life. That might be life. Because <laughs> it's also yeah. normal to go through these. Yes. And so, like Lacida and I was saying, if it's longer than two weeks, then that means we're not in a norm. That means, yes. okay, something's more is going on. If I'm feeling in a funk, maybe a day or two, or on the weekend, like different things happen in life that impact you in different ways. But if it's a continuous thing mm -hmm. that's not going away, then yeah, maybe it's something a little bit more heavy. Right. And a mm -hmm. lot of it does have to do with brain chemistry, mm -hmm. which is why the phrase get through it is really ineffective because brain chemistry at this point, in fact, today we picked um, disorders that tend to happen organically as opposed yeah. to mm -hmm. a precipitating event. And although you can get depression from a precipitating event, the major depression we're talking about is definitely sometimes an impact of brain chemistry. Yeah. So there's some type you of have imbalance. To basically happening. have to yeah. ride this out. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah. the other thing that we wanted to talk about was just like that idea of a frozen state. So when I worked with clients who have major depression, even the therapy sessions, we'd have a high number of no shows and yes. there was no good reason. Clients were just like, gosh, I just can't even get out of bed. Or I can't leave mm -hmm. my house. So I would, you know, you want to have some sympathy. That is a real It's like experience. the lack of motivation to yeah. even do anything. So how is this caused? Well, depression can be hereditary. 
So thank True. your family for yes. those wonderful I mean, jeans. No. Thanks, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, auntie, uncle. Uh, on my mom's Adorations. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. So uh, definitely think about depression as something that can be hereditary, something that if your family, if you have a history, family history of depression, um, there's a likelihood that you could, mm-hmm. it's, it would be a good idea for you to get screened for yeah. depression. And I think sometimes with Latino families, it's undiagnosed depression. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know. You're like, well, no one in my family had depression. But if you look at the criteria, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe they did. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Yeah. And it's usually not something that is really talked about. Like, you know, historically our families, if they are experiencing depression, they like oh i'm just gonna pray about it or i'm gonna get up and clean and do you know they don't always recognize that it might not be that simple that they may need a little bit more support but we always hear about the tia who hated leaving her house or yeah would be very maybe what we'd call dramatic or the Mm -hmm. tio who drank a lot and never really talked to people or you know you start you hear you're right Mm -hmm. you'll you'll hear behavioral descriptions and then you can kind of put things together. Yeah. Siempre está llorando. They never want to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. Or like always tired and fatigued. Mm-hmm. You're like, ooh, okay. Yeah. And that's not like us. Mm-hmm. We get up and go. Yeah. Sometimes. I, I like to think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> so this can also be um, environmental and uh, just different things that's going on in society. I know we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Um, just uh, oppression in society, mm-hmm. just different cultural systems it's hard to navigate through. Mm-hmm. The political climate that we're currently living in. <coughs> Trump, Trump is depressing. Yep, I was about to say that. I was like, AKA, you know who you are, Orange Cheeto Man. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Calling him out. He's going to tweet about us. I know. Stop. <laughs> we could only be so lucky. Yeah, we'd like to add a new cause of depression. AKA Trump. Trump. Also, uh, like social factors too. Like, um, I also know like this is becoming, I think, more and more common in like the millennial generation. Also, like depression that could be situational because of what they're being exposed to on like social media and stuff, and like yes. the the world of Instagram and how, uh, depending how many hours you dedicate to these platforms, it could impact like how you're feeling that day and like your mood and, and uh, it's, I think becoming a real thing now. And I think more and more research hopefully will come out on it. There is some research on Instagram that two hours of scrolling on social, I think it's social media in general, but I think people nowadays use Instagram, but anyways, scrolling through social media for at least two hours a day was linked to a 30% increase in depression. Yeah. Well, That's isn't that? that why Instagram did that thing where it's like insights where you can go and see how much hour, how many, how much time you spent on social media so far? Um, no, I think that Apple has JK. done that. Um, and it's called screen time. Oh. So you can see like how much screen time I am so scared to look at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I don't like want to know. I work eight to ten hours a day so maybe i don't spend as much time on it's it as not I as think. bad i checked yeah. mine it said two hours yeah. oh okay and i was like what i don't yeah. feel like that i right? think i consciously i'm making an effort to not spend so much time yeah. because i've seen it impact me personally like just in my mm-hmm. mood and like how i'm feeling so i'm like oh girl you need to tone yeah. that down <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so just remember that this sometimes can be family history hereditary environmental factors but people never choose depression yeah, exactly. nobody's out there trying to when you have major depression like this 
it's not so much attention seeking. I mean, you yes. still want to make it to your job and then have attention seeking behaviors there. Yeah. But real depression is like you can't even get out of bed to yeah. do those things. And it's not like what our like Latinx parents will say, like, oh, yeah. sufres porque quieres, like, or you're lazy. Yeah. No. No. Attention like, seeking takes energy. Yeah. And depression yeah. zaps all that. Yeah. So I'm telling you. Low energy. <laughs> it's probably something going on that they that's beyond their control. Um I think there's um it's all yeah. can be also caused by preceptory. Did I say that word right? Preceptory. Let's just pretend mm-hmm. yes. Precipitating? Yes. There yeah. we go. Oh, what did I win? <laughs> uh you win a hug. Yay. Uh, events or events that have happened to us that are mm-hmm. pretty stressful, um, and can be pretty distressing, like a unresolved divorce someone passing Mm -hmm. away there's times of grief but then after a certain time period it becomes like hey things are not getting better Mm -hmm. yeah um when we see these things there's so many different life events that can um cause uh episodes of depression yeah right and i think also like family members are just people or even yourself going through like chronic illness and like just like your health if your health is declining that also could be a huge factor to like a spike in depression that could develop into major depression right yeah um, chronic illness does mm-hmm. cause depression and pain chronic yeah, pain chronic pain yeah chronic you just don't want to live with that anymore you can't yeah. that, like this cannot be my life yeah and um, i think that's also the process of grief and grief is a totally normal experience that mm-hmm. all humans experience it's just when we start to see that it's starting to impact our functioning longer than we yes. would want it to yes there's in different a diff- areas right yeah there's a difference between grief like after the loss of a loved one because you're probably not a sociopath so you have feelings and so mm-hmm. you grieve and then the depression <laughs> the depression Definitely. is separate from that everyone's allowed to grieve and they're not typically diagnosed with depression but if your grief continues yeah yeah that's definitely. when it can become depression but but you wouldn't want to consider someone who's grieving as depressed mm-hmm. definitely clinically depressed yes so what are treatment options for depression um, so there's like there's different types of um, treatment models that you could um, look into if you do decide, OK, I want to see like a therapist and see if I can get some support. So some of those are cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy um, and TMS um, is uh, what was the it was the uh, it's sort of like sending tiny electroshocks into your brain, like with these little patches. And what it does is it helps get your neurons to fire. Yeah, it was a really long word and my uh, brain was not remembering it. <laughs> um, but also for major depression, there does come a point in time where medication is needed it, it, when, you know, therapy you know, therapy and using these therapy approaches are really helpful, but it also may be a chemical imbalance in your brain or things that are you're needing a little bit more support it with. And that's exactly when medication is needed and when it comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sometimes the receptors like going into brain chemistry, the receptor, something blocks it. You're not making enough serotonin, so there's not enough reuptake. So mm-hmm. the medication, what it does, it just balances or changes neural pathways to so you can get more serotonin yeah. more dopamine yeah more right. all the 
Yeah. Good feeling feelings. And medication is a, you know, it can be a very scary topic, especially if it's something that you need to come to terms with or if it's something scary that you're like, I may have to take this for a good amount of my life, if not my entire life. Um, so I definitely, I think, recommend for you to empower yourself and not be afraid to ask your psychiatrist or doctor questions about this medication, how it will support your body, how what changes you might see. Um, and then always, you know, not be afraid to advocate on um, starting on a manageable dose and then working your way up as needed so that you have like a baseline. So does too mm-hmm. little, does a small amount work like 10 milligrams? Mm-hmm. Do I need 25 milligrams? Do I need 50, 80, a hundred? Like where's your baseline? Yeah, because yeah. you may not need a high dose. Um, so definitely take charge of it and, you know, and ask questions and educate yourself mm-hmm. about what's going into your body. And I think therapy and medication are like besties. Like, yes. like they work well together and sometimes you have to start with medication first or I don't know. It's like a chicken and egg. Like you go to therapy and then you're not improving and then you discuss medication or you start medication, uh-huh. feel better enough to get out of the house and go to therapy. Yeah. I, I, I kind of see it as like a jump start. Like, yeah, you, you like jump it, but that doesn't mean your battery's totally fixed. It's just mm-hmm. enough for you to like start the therapeutic process. Yeah. Because when you're super down, you don't want to hear some like hopeful therapist tell you things are going to be fine. You can't see that. Yeah. yeah. But with low meds, you know, and low medication yeah. regimen, your brain can hear things like that when yeah. you're just in a little better mood. Yeah. And the medication may be working and the therapist may not be working. So that yeah. where you can also <laughs> say like, um, we ain't being FFs anymore. I'm going to get new friends moving up in life and you can look yeah. for a new therapist yeah. to meet those needs because they should be parallel they should yeah. be both being able to support you at the same time with what is realistic for you at that time mm-hmm. so you can break up with your bff and get a new one if you need to <laughs> so here's when they what they don't tell you about treatment yes um, it's really common to talk about therapy and medication and you heard a little bit about that, but for anyone who's really going through this and wanting to know some other ways to treat this, truly is little things like having a safety plan, yeah. locking away your pills, sharp objects, because when you're depressed, sometimes it's hard to have a ju- good judgment that will keep you mm-hmm. safe. And then identifying two or three people who you can call to either distract you, like they maybe don't have to do um, crisis counseling with you, but maybe you all can go to the movies, go bowling, go ice skating i don't mm-hmm. know yeah. just like, like hey stuff can you take different. me out on a walk yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and that's actually how you really support yourself yeah. in treatment it's not just medication therapy yeah. it's that every day doing the little things it's um it's the exercise it's and then also addressing the core issue mm-hmm. if there is mm-hmm. one like where is it stemming from what has yeah. it, what is mm-hmm. unresolved that's still manifesting in right. your experience right and now deep stuff yep and if it's brain chemistry guess what the addressing the issue looks like taking medication to get Bastitas. your brain chemistry balanced <laughs> so if people tell you that you're crazy for taking medication remind them it's it's already things that my brain produces it just it just helps my levels yeah. balance and you can also be like tú no sabes mi vida just yeah, that's kidding. it, too. <laughs> Don't tell me how to live my life. Uh, but, like, if you have, like, high blood pressure or different mm-hmm. things, you just take medicine to regulate things in your body. So this is just another way to just regulate things in your body. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, that's just it. trying to normalize yeah. it. And if you. you don't feel yeah. safe or comfortable to disclose to people that you're t- taking medication, then don't. Like, you yeah, have... People don't need you, to know. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. the power to disclose whatever you want about your life, and you don't need to feel pressure to disclose that if you don't feel like it's a safe environment for you to do so. 
I know that we also wanted to bring up, um, I know sometimes we are loved ones looking in mm-hmm. um, and seeing like, oh, shoot, uh, I know something's happening, but I don't know what exactly is happening. Mm-hmm. What are they experiencing? What can I do? So what's some tips or things, insight yeah. we can give mm-hmm. um, So one I think that I would I would kind of want to talk about, and we talked about this in like an uh, earlier episode. I can't remember which one. Um, but watching your language, like make sure that you are not utilizing like toxic positivity, like, oh, you'll mm-hmm. get over it. It'll be fine because it really isn't fine in that moment. They are really experiencing difficult emotions and it's not that easy because if they could just turn it off, then uh, depression wouldn't be a thing. So mm-hmm. Just being genuine with your word and with your intentions um, and trying not to internalize their behaviors. Like, don't take it personally and have patience for them. Um, Support them in setting healthy boundaries and being mindful of their safety. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not responsible for their choices. You are just a support system and you also don't have to dismantle and tackle on their mental health issues. Like, that's theirs. You can be an outside support that can empower them to take charge and to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's a lot of suicide, suicidal thoughts yeah. that your loved one will have in the sen- in their state of depression. And that's can, that can be really stressful for you. So one way to know that you might be a loved one of someone experiences is that you're just annoyed, exhausted, tired, you're scared, and you stay up at night thinking about this person you might be a loved one of someone experiencing depression. Yeah, and yeah. for you, it's really important to take care of yourself. Know that you're not going to be responsible for the, li- the livelihood exactly. of this person. We are all responsible for our own lives. We all own our lives. Yeah. But you can be a distracting person. And you can even say that. Look, I am not a crisis counselor, so I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. But I am. I like no bomb-ass tacos down the street. And yeah. I can go for a walk yeah. with you. Let's go to Target for a few hours. I yes. love Target. <laughs> like yes. maybe not alcohol, but the other yes. ones are totally down for those. Maybe not a bar crawl, but yeah. you can be. You can just say my job will be to come up with some fun things that we can do, mm-hmm. and you know where I'm at if you yeah. want to come over. We yeah, can, we can binge and watch some Netflix. We can. Yeah, but basically, just see yourself as someone who's supporting but not owning the outcome or results. Yeah, and that's you engaging in your own self care as well and not being afraid to set your own boundaries you can be a support system but you can also have boundaries and be realistic about what you're able to do for someone that is experiencing this so i think that was a good point that asirena brought up so if y'all want to get tacos tacos are good (laughs) stop that sounds so good right (laughs) now (laughs) i can do that for you all if you need Yeah, so I think those are all really great tips. Do you want to move on to our next diagnosis? Yes. So our next diagnosis is schizophrenia. Ooh. What is that? What does that Ge- look like? Very misrepresented, misunderstood. It's yes. one of the more mysterious diagnoses. Dun, dun, dun. No, I'm just kidding. That makes it sound <laughs> negative. Let's I think there's that. a lot of taboo around this diagnosis. Right. They make it uh, very... Like people, they make this diagnosis very scary. Yeah, and or it's make not. people, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like fearful. Like, oh my gosh, you're experiencing psychosis, and you're just like, no. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how well, to explain maybe. it. Like, it's it might be distressing for the person. It might not be. Mm-hmm. There's different hallucinations, different delusions that people experience. There's so many more symptoms that like people don't know about. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's one of the more mysterious diagnoses. I guess I mean that literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it is. And 
Um, so we are going to try to break this down yeah. to you in everyday terms and really demystify this one for yeah. sure. And yeah. I think it's too, is because we, as a society, I think oftentimes we fear what we don't understand. And so I think that this is why we're doing this to support and create awareness and to create understanding so that it's not such a scary topic. Um, okay. so yeah so let's else? get into it yeah what other things might it look like when you have depression or when you have schizophrenia yeah. so i think the early stages like the first break can begin around 19 and so most of the time it can it can manifest between the ages of 19 and 24 mm-hmm. um and i think typically what you would see is like extreme disorganized thinking um hallucination like bizarre behavior so things mm-hmm. that are just really out of the norm of that person's character um like you have no idea what they're saying there are words yeah. coming out yeah, but they like just bizarre, are, don't speech. even yeah. yes like I, I like I'm trying to think what is an example. So I think bizarre behavior might be like doing things that like yeah. he's in another world and he's like, I have to sit on top of this cone. And yes. like, that's true. Or like put foil things. around my house. Yeah. So their delusions like, lead to them having bizarre behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I had somebody sense. that I worked with came with uh, some, they came without shoes, like, yeah to a session and i was like whoa what's going on i mean even that i mean you don't show up to a clinic with no shoes on so yeah. it can even be small things like that like dressed out of order for the weather yeah not that's 100 degrees outside and they had their puffy jacket on yes yeah. yeah they might not have showered for a few days yeah um that's bizarre when you don't shower so also make sure you're showering every day people but yeah. but <laughs> if you're note. not <laughs> um like sometimes schizophrenia they're not able to secure their own like hygiene routine yeah. clothing shelter depending on how severe their schizophrenic break um i've sometimes had some of my clients be found like just walking near the river at 2 a.m or just yeah. found in a bizarre place in a bar or bizarre like trying, time of the day I've, I've had experience where like trying to get into like a neighbor's house because they didn't realize that that wasn't their house mm-hmm. um and just like really not always being oriented to where they are. Yeah. They're pretty much going to let go of their daily routine. So they might yeah. not show up for work. They're probably not going to show up to pick up the kids. They're, they're sort of in this own alternate reality. Yeah. I think. And so then, yeah, it's like a split reality. Cause mm. yeah, I think when I was in grad school, we learned about it. It's like, um, this original term meant like splitting of the mind. Mm-hmm. So your mind, half of it is in reality. And then the other half you are in an alternate reality. Yeah. So, and that's real. Yeah. It's a real yeah. thing for them. Right? So, and then sometimes they don't, they can't manage which reality they're in. So sometimes you can seem like, oh, this person's mm-hmm. really normal. They're here with me. We're connecting. And then there's other times where they might be experiencing more psychotic symptoms. Right. So how is this caused? There's a lot of different research on this. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be hereditary, family history, mm-hmm. just with like other mental health illnesses um genetics yeah a lot yeah, of genetics environment, environment. Say environment yeah already? environment yeah. yeah the combination of that yeah. or what we like to say is genetics loads the gun and yeah. environment pulls, pulls the, the trigger. trigger so oftentimes like in uh, universities because of the m- intense stress that happens pretty pretty much at the get-go as yeah. when you come into college a lot of times schizophrenic breaks will happen at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also think, um, like also like just again, going back to like the political climate that we're in right now, maybe what they could be exposed to 
on or off campus or in like a work setting and you know certain individuals that maybe are producing this individual have a lot of stress and triggers like all of these things can kind of bring about an onset you know or an episode Mm -hmm. yes actually i work at a university and um we did have an increase since trump's been elected i'm not kidding objectively so i'm not (laughs) making correlation or causation claims Claims. here but what i can tell you is objectively we've had a major increase in um, schizophrenia breaks again you can have schizophrenia but sort of be like in a remission yeah and then you can have an episode of like hallucinations delusions but a lot of our students after watching the election that triggered them to have start a chain of thoughts that just didn't Mm -hmm. stop and got out of control and paired with if you're not taking your medication regularly something like watching trump get elected or hearing the things that he's been saying was one of the sources that people cited yeah and that was just something interesting of course there's many reasons but people with schizophrenia may be impacted by actual political things going on and and it doesn't mean that caused it it just means that kind of starts a chain reaction of thoughts yeah Mm -hmm. and it caused like a significant amount of stress or it can affirm or somehow play into a current delusion they have about the government or something but also with genetics like if you already are predisposed mm-hmm. for psychosis and if you try some sort of drug it might like awaken it oh yeah um, so i know there was that research that just came out that like if you smoke uh, a high amount of marijuana or weed you can like awaken that psychosis mm-hmm. and i know you can hallucinate like while you're on the drug but then like afterwards it's like oh shoot mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you're like what did i wake up are just yeah. different types of drugs that yeah, different do drugs. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of like how these different things can alter your chemistry. Yeah. So we have a lot of love for people who experience schizophrenia or live with schizophrenia. Yeah. And if you do live with schizophrenia, either you don't know yet or you do know what you're experiencing now, a lot of my clients tell me that th- it started with people saying that they were really concerned or looking really confused and not agreeing with them about mm-hmm. things that they were saying. And some of them even tell me that they wake up in a hospital and they have no idea of yeah. the episode that happened. And then there's a lot of grief and like shame that comes yeah. after when you're in bed looking up at your social worker who's at your side and you're like, what happened? And they walk you mm-hmm. through it. And sometimes there's police involved. Um, I've seen that at the, when I worked in an ER. They kind of waiting because you might have like caused some severe property damage yeah. somewhere. So it can be um, really scary for the person experiencing it, yeah. especially when they start seeing um, bright colors or distorted faces. That has also been like people are like, that is oh shit, traumatic. what's happening to me? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is not like some special person. This could be you. This could be me. It could be anyone. Like yeah. these are normal people having these really scary experiences. Yeah. So. And they deserve empathy and understanding yes. because they yes. are human and what they're going through. It's like I they may be not fucking scared yeah, and they yeah. may not categorize it this way. So I don't want to say that this is what it's like. But from my mm-hmm. own personal experience, like it's like living in your own curated hell. Like mm-hmm. and it's and it's intense, and so they do deserve love, compassion, support, and yep. empathy, and preserve their dignity. Exactly. Like if they do end up like a lot of them will take their clothes off or offer themselves up for like some kind of like cause in their mm-hmm. head and it requires them to run down the street naked with yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. with like some kind of torch or pitchfork or something like yeah. all kinds of different realities yeah. can be happening for them yeah. just I, preserve their dignity make sure that they're clothed that they stay somewhere safe that they're put away from the public yeah. 
Yeah, and I know these some of these examples can be like uh, severe psychosis, but mm-hmm. then there's other ones that they're like, yes, I hear voices and I see things, but I'm still able to function. Yeah. yeah. In some level. So yeah. everyone's on a different spectrum, spectrum. just like with depression, mm-hmm. you might have a little depression, you might be pretty severe. Um, so there's also a spectrum with psychosis as well. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good segue to like, how do we treat it? Yes. Mm-hmm. How do we treat it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with this one, like many diagnoses, it's really important to understand that medication is key. You need the medication mm-hmm. to be able to stabilize, to work through the hallucination, the voices, to have stability, to have a regimen, um, to have a routine. Um, you know, without medication, we can't reach that level of stabilization that they deserve. Yep. Um, and, and it's so important to empower and therapy is a part of it. You know, therapy is like, like we said earlier, like their BFFs, they go side by side, low stress environments. Um, but medication is key and, and, uh, and also safety planning, safety mm-hmm. planning with people of choice, people that you feel safe around people that are supportive, that are uh, attempting to understand what you're experiencing and that can support in keeping you safe mm-hmm. um, because Go your safety your is meds. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And take those pastillitas. Yeah. That's right. Go ahead. Take them. We said that's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. And it's your not like we so, want to like people to like, oh, you want to take, give people medication so you can control yeah. them or to just like numb them out. And we're like, no, we just want to take that distress away yeah. just to that point mm-hmm. where they're yeah. not distressed yeah. and they can, they can still have symptoms, but yeah. still function. And I also want to validate that, yes, medication in itself is a beast. It is. Because I've heard multiple times that people that do experience extreme forms of psychosis and schizophrenia, there is some medication that, you know, makes them feel like a zombie, like they're not really there. So it might take multiple tries to find mm-hmm. a mix and that works, that for, works for you. And that that is okay because... Mm-hmm. you still deserve to be you you don't you know it, it does feel horrible to take something and feel like you are out of like an out-of-body experience like it's not you um so give yourself permission and time to to ask questions and to explore and not to be afraid to speak up if a medication isn't working and if your provider is not listening or understanding advocate or have people that you trust that can advocate for you to change doctors if you feel like your needs are not being met so treatment is only as effective as your advocacy. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Good snap, one. snap, snap. Thank you for that. So our other question is for anyone who is a loved one looking in, experiencing or watching someone experience or live with schizophrenia, what are some things that, what are some pearls of wisdom you might share? I think maybe come in a calm, loving place. You don't want to cause more distress than they're already in. So mm-hmm. if you're talking to them, like I knowing myself, I'm sometimes like not in, I feel like once I'm in the therapy room, I'm just like, I am calm. And, mm-hmm. But in my yeah. life, if life. something else happens, I'm like, oh my God, oh, oh my God, God, oh my God, shit. what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just being calm and just being like, okay, uh, like what do they need? What are they mm-hmm. doing? Yeah. Uh, kind of listening to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and not yeah. arguing against their perceived reality. Yeah. yeah. Goodness, you would be there for wasting your time. Yeah. Th- that, those are minutes you'll never get back, and it's your fault because yeah. we told you. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> argue with their with their truth. That's yeah. for another time. Yeah. And I would say practice your own self care. 
um, for yourself because it could be difficult to, you know, frequently be in a relationship with someone who does do who does have schizophrenia. It's 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 hard and painful for both parties. I think it can be yeah. confusing for both. Give yourself permission. Sides. Yeah, give yourself mm-hmm. permission, and also do not ever limit their access to medication if you have your own fears and your own concerns reach out consult seek someone if it's your child if it's someone that you dearly love and you're concerned for them to take medication i you know we or we or i empower you to educate yourself about the medication um and not limit them access to yeah. it because at the end of the day it it could really be the determination between life or death some of these some of these diagnoses do their their opportunity for survival and for balance and stability is medication. So please, you know, support them if that's what There's they're needing. High lethality with schizophrenia only because their delusions can um, recruit them into behaving in a way that would potentially get themselves killed. So mm-hmm. uh, crossing, have big busy streets, walking into freeways jumping off of buildings, taking certain meds, or um, there are just many ways that delusions can tell people how to behave, and then that behavior gets them killed. So it's not schizophrenia itself, but safety planning for sure. If if you have a loved one who's living with schizophrenia, when they're in a good place, you all might want to do a safety plan about what might happen if when they disappear for a few days and you can't find them, you might want to have a plan Mm -hmm. about, and then both of you agree on what kind of action you would do. And then maybe also a plan of like hospitalization, because sometimes if things get pretty intense, we are only human and not everyone is a trained mental health um, practitioner. So sometimes it's better and safer for everyone if they're in the hospital for a few days. Yeah. Well, let's take a break because that's a lot of great info. Give yourself permission to take a deep breath, grab some water, maybe like scream a little bit, whatever (laughs) you need. And we'll come back with our next disorder. And we're back. Woo. That was quick. Yes, a little a little breather. Um, and so now we're going to get into, as promised, our final one. We're going to talk about bipolar disorder. So what does bipolar disorder look like? Hmm. Well, that's a good one. Yes, there's a couple of different ways. Maybe we can, we'll, maybe we'll tackle the major part, what you might see is the shifts in mood. Mm-hmm. But there's more to that. Um, I don't like the word, like if your friend had a mood swing within a two hour shift, that's not bipolar. Do not call your friend bipolar. Mm -hmm. Um, This is dramatic shifts in mood and it can last um, over several months sometimes. Like it can be very cyclical um, or several weeks. Um, Most people will experience this around 25 years old Mm -hmm. it's rare to see it in childhood though so please don't diagnose your seven-year-old with bipolar because one minute they're playing nicely with their siblings and the next they're like a a spawn of satan yeah (laughs) and same with your teenager they just look bipolar but they may really not be teenager yeah it's called uh hormones yeah (laughs) it's called life between 13 and 17 that is your hormone yeah Yeah. bipolar maybe guess therapists too were very careful on diagnosing teenagers with that diagnosis because it's on their medical record and we're like, we're not sure until they're adults Mm -hmm. what's really going on. So what that looks like there's, you're going to have, um, so there's different types, bipolar one, bipolar two, uh, cyclomania. So 
we could go into all the little mm-hmm. nooks and crannies of these diagnoses, but I think we're just going to kind of keep it pretty general. Yeah. Today. For those of you driving while you're listening, we don't want to put you to sleep. Yeah. That is bad for your safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll try to keep this interesting and, um, and simple and, e- and easy to understand. Yes. So people typically with bipolar experience high and low moods. So this is known as mania and depression, and it differs from the typical ups and downs that most people experience. So this looks like periods. So periods of depression, they have um, highly elevated moods, their sleep um, and judgment is impaired. Um, Mania typically looks like a minimum of seven consecutive days of behavior. So some of these behaviors will look like writing excessive papers, um, not really needing sleep that much, yeah, mm-hmm. very little to no sleep, uh, excessive talking, like super, super, super talking. You have like this big flight of ideas mm-hmm. or it feels like you've taken like 10 cups of coffee. And yeah. You, you don't even need to sleep. Shopping sprees, mm-hmm. promiscuity, like inflated self-esteem. It's almost yeah. like, oh, well, nothing bad can happen to me. I'm going to do all these crazy things. You feel on top <laughs> of the world. Yeah. You're like Captain Marvel. Yeah. There's that inflated <laughs> sense of self-esteem. Yes. You feel yeah. great. And, and so you good. actually are the greatest person. Yeah. In that moment, you feel like no one can, yeah. can yeah. touch you. And this would also cause self-destruction. So what mm-hmm. we mean by that is like you may keep adding goals and are so distracted that you're not able to complete your daily tasks. So you just keep shifting from one thing to another, to another, to another, mm-hmm. but nothing actually gets completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes as students, you could be writing all these papers, but when you read them, like, they don't make sense. Or um, you're taking tests at like really fast speed, but later you find out you failed it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So you're like driven, activity driven, but the content is absent. Yeah, or or maybe distorted. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's like the same as uh, as if you take cocaine. I guess would it be yeah, like that? It, like you're I'm super sure. like. Well, <laughs> look, Larosa, I have not <laughs> had cocaine. Yeah, like <laughs> this is not. A, yeah, let's just clarify. I'm going to answer this, but it sounds like I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, yes, I've seen in, in in the movies they right. they look like this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let me tell you all about that time. Yeah. <laughs> that okay. one time at band camp, just kidding. It was research and development. I yeah. just kind of like, no. I need it so I can tell my clients not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't just suggest. for the record, we do not endorse usage of cocaine. Yeah, as a ways of learning about yes. mental health. Totally separate things. Um, but yes, it does. I'm sure it would feel like you are just up on drugs. And in fact, I bet you could get yourself in trouble with law. And they think you're on drugs, yes. but when they test your blood, you probably have nothing in your system. Yeah. That would be a really great way to rule out. And actually, that's happened versus, a lot. Yeah, when you're yeah. in a manic episode, they do they may really believe that you are under the influence. Yeah, and so that that makes sense. So there's an episode of mania, which we kind of just talked about. You're on top of the world, doing like all the things. You are extra. And then it's followed by a period of depression. It's the very opposite. Mm-hmm. One minute you felt you were on the top of the world. And during your depressive cycle, you just feel like crap. Like you're the bottom scum of the universe. Nobody cares about you and you want to die. It's pretty much the extreme. Yeah. It's like a pendulum. Like you just swing to extremes at times. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know sometimes that can happen when you're like, hey, I feel like that's happened to me before. But what we're seeing here uh, with DSM criteria is like specific timelines. So I believe with... Um, with the mania part, we have to see it for at least seven days consecutive, mm-hmm. more days than not. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you had a day where you just got promoted and then you got a flat tire, like 
you're going to have a, uh, an interesting day. Yeah. <laughs> but you you're going to lose your shit. Yeah. You're going to like be really happy and then lose your shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's or not bipolar. If you're like feeling like super on edge and your emotions are all over the place and then the next day your period comes and you're like, oh, that right. explains it all. <laughs> Ooh, can Ooh. we can we do an episode on yeah. that? We just need to have that Let's add that to, to our yeah. list. You're like, yeah. well, shit, that explains a lot, actually. If you're okay, going I'm through fine. a breakup and you hate the person and then love them and then hate them and then love them, that's still not bipolar. Yeah, that's just also life. That's also life. So we want to leave a lot of room for the mm-hmm. fact that some of the things we go through is just life. But we're yeah. talking about, yeah, when you get to this clinical level where you can be considered bipolar, the mood swings can be, yeah. you're, you're going to, behave pretty severely different in each yeah. one so what factors would you say contribute to um, the onset of bipolar disorder i think just like with the other ones and uh, there's a uh, we see a pattern of it happening within families so if your mom or your grandma someone in your family has had it before mm-hmm. there's a good chance that you might experience some of these symptoms as well yep Our, yeah it's Our hereditary yeah the environment that you live in but it's like diabetes like if your mom Mm -hmm. has it if your family has it like there's a good chance that you might get it so i think being aware of maybe even like tracking your moods being aware Mm -hmm. how people see you Mm -hmm. and like okay what do i have to do just being aware of your genetic makeup and how you can take preventive measures you know yeah, just to, to, to take care of yourself. Right, and again, if you don't have, if you don't know anything about any official diagnosis in family, you could look at maybe similar behaviors. Mm-hmm. And bipolar is pretty. Um, you can't miss it. If somebody is living with bipolar, you can't miss it. Yeah. And so you'll hear your family talking about that grandpa or that uncle or you know somebody else's friend great grandmother neighbor. who acted bizarre. Maybe yeah. had yeah tons of shopping sprees followed by days in bed. Mm. You know, you'll hear those stories and you might put together some pieces and ask questions. But yeah, um, I, I think there's also some part of it is um, organic brain chemistry, just like all the things we've talked yeah. about with major depression yeah. and mm-hmm. um, schizophrenia with just chronic disorders. A lot of it mm-hmm. is part of our brains. It's like cancer. Yeah, there's there could be causes environmentally, but mostly it is your brain chemistry. It's mm-hmm. organic. It starts with, with from within. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's not really caused by like, <laughs> like I went to the zoo and a giraffe accidentally bit me. Do I have <laughs> bipolar? Like it's going to start in your brain. Like, oh, what were you doing? So close to the giraffe. Right. <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> You're like, no. Let's get, is a giraffe okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason I thought about a giraffe is because where we live in Sacramento, I have to pass the zoo oh, a the lot, lamp and I always see the giraffes. Yeah. So really, they it's like availability uh, bias. They just come yeah. up to my I head a lot. Know, I didn't know you they can. were there. If you go right past the zoo and you wait at the stoplight, sorry, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we must have time to show yeah. <laughs> to I don't show La Luna where the the giraffe is. Yes, please. When you stop at the stoplight next yeah. to the zoo, in between the zoo and Sprouts, Ooh. you can see the giraffes. What? It's like unreal. I'm going to see All right. So if y'all see me standing there, like I'm not having an episode, I just want to see a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> that is not mania. Yeah, I just <laughs> really want to see this freaking giraffe, okay? Okay. okay. Now, if you, you're watching this giraffes yeah. two in the morning, seven days in a row, we then may you might call to, you yeah. out. You all allow because it. we love you. We're like, Luna. girl, you need some treatment. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, how do we treat bipolar disorder? Like, what mm. are some treatment options for it? Well, it can be managed in several ways. 
But the most important thing we want to give you that you can truly help people living with this disorder is that since it does start in the brain, guess what we need? Medication. Ding, ding, ding. It's the medication regimen. If you can help your loved ones stay on medication or you yourself can stay on your medication, you're going to have the best chances of recovering. So that's one way. Yeah. And another thing is, again, calling on your bestie, psychotherapy, mm-hmm. a.k.a. just therapy. So cognitive behavioral therapy, family-focused therapy. So if you are in a safe space where you can include your family members in your treatment that is really empowering for you to be able to include them for them to learn to understand your experience so that they could be able to support you and be that like safety net for you if you are experiencing um bipolar disorder um another thing too is like self-management strategies so Mm -hmm. again like education recognizing early um episodes and symptoms um and we also don't want to discount like complementary health approaches so like exercising or meditation faith and prayer or holistic approaches that's that's you definitely have the right to include those things but we also just want you to understand that those are not a replacement mm-hmm. for for medication or mm-hmm. treatment if, if 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 you're at that space where you really do need medication yeah especially Mm -hmm. if things are getting pretty severe and out of control we would want you to talk to some sort of mental health professional yeah Yeah. and again the medication is not to treat it and go away it's to manage the symptoms that get in the way of your functioning Mm -hmm. it's just the stuff that helps you get to work and pay your bills and and treat your loved ones well you may not get rid of the actual diagnosis of course yes yeah So what would we want to tell people, like loved ones that do have someone that is experiencing bipolar disorder? Um, I think sometimes like uh, so many things. So many things. Sometimes hospitalization is the best option. Um, I like to use the metaphor of like if you're having a heart attack, you're Mm -hmm. not going to want them to be like, okay, just stay home, get in bed, drink some water. Everything's going to be fine. (laughs) You're just like, oh, no, we we need to go. need to go to the hospital heart um, attacks happen yeah <laughs> because we want to stabilize the person yeah. we want to make sure they're safe we don't want to yeah. um see anything bad happen to the ones that we love mm-hmm. yeah. yeah like i would treat a heart attack super serious i wouldn't yeah. be like heart attacks mm. happen just rest drink lots of water like, like maybe don't we close gotta your get, eyes no like the only thing you can do is yeah, yeah. go to the hospital so I really love that you mentioned that so that people can understand how serious to take it. Yeah. And supporting them and, you know, keeping track of their medication, like having a system to support Mm -hmm. them and remembering to take their meds or, you know, helping them if you're able to, depending on the context of your relationship, just checking in to see if they're keeping up with their like therapy appointments, if they're seeking therapy, um, like again with like medication, Mm -hmm. faith and prayer definitely work because Mm -hmm. supporting somebody who lives with bipolar makes you yourself very frustrated very tired very weary this is you know this is a difficult process for the person living with it and the person living with that's with yeah that's living with them so so yeah totally pray like god please let me like today is going to be hard i'm about to like stress eat these donuts like (laughs) jesus take the wheel please i would also encourage um family members to join support groups there's a lot of like nami support groups or um even seeking their own treatment because that is hard that's hard like one day Mm -hmm. your person might be normal whatever that is yeah Yeah. and then the next day all of a sudden they have a mental health diagnosis and that can be 
You might um, grieve. Yeah, grieve. You're mm-hmm. sad. Like, yeah. this person is no is. longer yeah. who they are. It's yeah. scary to and see I your think, loved one go through Yeah, that. and it definitely yeah. is grief. I think also if you're a parent, you're grieving something that your child has. And so you might go through grief, Ooh. guilt, or shame and feel responsible for what they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, it's confusing. Or you might feel shame and guilt because you feel angry towards them or you resent them because you're tired of being that emotional support. And so these are normal things to feel and you deserve to have your own support system. If you are experiencing this when taking care of a loved one that is Mm -hmm. experiencing some serious like mental health, Mm -hmm. you know, diagnosis. I think it's also a good opportunity to like, know that you're not alone, that Mm -hmm. there are other families going through it too. And like listening to them, like how do they do it or empowering another family on like, you can make it through. Like my family is dealing with it too. Yeah. Yep. there's lots of options so i have hope i do have hope for people living with all of these disorders that we went through today i have seen all these folks graduate from colleges work in places that they've envisioned themselves working having families it's totally possible yeah Yeah. because at the end of the day they're humans and they deserve dignity and respect that's right this is a label and we don't want to use these labels to harm them we want to use them to understand to uplift them and to empower them to take charge of it to own it and to be the successful people that we know they can be it's not a death sentence it's just like oh shoot it's something i have to live with yeah and i have to manage it yeah and i'm still going to be myself yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say for my takeaways, I, you know, I hope that this was informative and like supportive to people. And I hope that it, it gave them an idea of, you know, what these things are and maybe it will empower them to seek out treatment if they need treatment. And I, and I also wanted to kind of throw a little blurb in there of it could be difficult to access mental health, you know, so, you know, presenting this information is informational um, but I also if you are seeking services or support just know that there is clinics that are low cost that are sliding scale that are free um, if you have a depending on your insurance or medical or if you're undocumented there's still access to mental health services within your universities if you are able to go to school mm-hmm. um, you know counselors um, and then the clinics that are free regardless of you know your status so you know mental health is not obtainable it just makes take a little you know time to find the resources in the communities that you live in Mm -hmm. it is obtainable yeah so that's my little my little spiel Mm -hmm. um i think my takeaway is i think i really enjoy providing education about mental health um because it I would like to remove that stigma, would like to remove that taboo. So even when I talk to it with families, I'm never like, all right, we're going to talk about depression. (laughs) I just like present it very normal. I'm like, like, okay, we're going to talk about depression. Like these are what I've been observing. These are Mm -hmm. our assessments. And this is what it really is. Mm -hmm. And try to answer any questions or doubts or fears that they have Mm -hmm. and normalize that experience. Like it... It is kind of scary, like getting a diagnosis and not knowing what it's really about. Mm-hmm. But I try to be pretty transparent about what it is. This is the treatment I'm going to be providing. These are other recommendations I have. So just walking with the family. Because I I personally don't like when I just get my printout from the doctors and they have like all this diagnosis stuff on yeah. there. I'm yeah. like, what the heck? You didn't even tell me. Yeah. yeah. 
It's like so. I'm supposed to just go home and read this by myself yeah. <laughs> and like feel scared and cried. And yeah. yeah. But maybe that's why, even though these can be persistent and lifelong, that's the therapy work is just learning how to accept yourself and love yourself with this diagnosis, how to understand what, um, symptoms look like and then get that affirmed by your therapist like oh my god that's why i drained my bank account during that last yeah. episode of media yeah. that's a thing that's not just because i'm stupid but that's an uh, actual symptom yeah. and sometimes mm-hmm. you can just get validation and affirmation about those things that are happening are not unique to you they're symptoms and then also creating safety plans you want to do that with the therapist too so mm-hmm. that's the sort of work that happens in therapy for these some sim- these conditions but at the end of the day, they are organic and sometimes yes. cannot be, uh, there may not be a full recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. We will help you preserve your dignity yes. and love while you experience this. Yes. And we invite all of you to do that with us. Yes. And that's a wrap. Thank you for sitting through this with us and allowing us to support and provide this information. And mm-hmm. we hope that you found it useful and yes. helpful. Oh, so yes. We can't let them go without resources. Oh, duh. I think we should give them two yes. websites yes, that yes, we yes, like. Yes. Yeah. If you want to learn more about these diagnoses and others, please visit uh www.nami n like nancy a m like mary i dot org nami.org they have a lot of information and also you can find local support groups in your area yeah for yep. people who are experiencing mental health and also family members yes yeah. and then i have the um resource for substance abuse and mental health services administration which is another good resource so the website is www sam and then h as in harry s as in sam a as in apple dot gov i don't know why it's so funny when you guys say www dot i feel like we're on pbs or something yeah, yeah. so weird www.pbs just kidding <laughs> but we also uh encourage you to su- subscribe like that's really awesome to see that you guys are following along also yes. leave us a review yes. um five stars if you think we're awesome and great but no like do you uh give us whatever rate you want yes. but we also want to have feedback so leave mm-hmm. us um reviews yeah let us know comments. We better. uh we love seeing um feedback gracias all right have a fabulous day That's bye, a wrap. bye. Adios. Adios.